0: I don't know about you, but like for me, like I always find that very, very common. The thing is, is that it it usually starts with breathing in in swimming is that's where the kind of, because people who are uncomfortable in the water or a swimming environment, they're just, they're trying to find a way to get oxygen. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford
1: welcome to the effortless swimming podcast my guest today is tim ballantyne who i've known for uh quite a few years now and tim you're up on the sunshine coast up uh well up towards noosa where we run a camp there every year and uh you moved up there pretty recently from from melbourne so how are you enjoying it up there and welcome to the podcast
0: thanks brenton mate yeah it's a uh it's been a great move we've been up here on the sunny coast for a couple of years albeit we were on the gold coast for about eight years mate so we got a, a bit of a taste and as Probably how I sort of fell into endurance sports, to be frank. Uh, and then uh, we found out we're having our, our firstborn and decided we'd move back to Melbourne to be closer to sort of friends and family and, and lasted 18 months. That's, <laughs> and because our lifestyle, well. <laughs> just, our lifestyle, it just changed so much to to be frank even even just the getting up early bit you know we just we moved to the gold coast when we were about 2021 20, which is not about age to move to the gold coast mind you um, but then yeah just totally you know in in 7 8 years which life happens we just changed our behaviours our lifestyle and tried to sort of pick all that up and move it to Melbourne. I still love, I still consider Melbourne where I'm from, obviously, but just with with work, life, business and all the, all the hats that, that you wear, um, it made sense to come back to Queensland and, and uh, such is the business that I run, you can sort of run it from from anywhere. And we picked, we used to come to Cooling Beach for a holiday and so we just picked that we'd live here. It's kind of like without rubbing it in, but yeah, very, very <laughs> lucky. Very, yeah. very lucky we love it it's a um you have a couple of camps up here so uh all your uh listeners and uh effortless swimming people would know it's uh noosa and around here mate it's uh, it's pretty hard to beat Branson. it's pretty yeah. hard to beat mate
1: look i do whatever i can to get up there and uh so that's why i think it's important to escape the cold when you uh, when you get the chance so it's, it's a great place to to train and um and you obviously come from a, a high level of uh, sport background but also coaching Uh, a number of athletes who have gone on to compete in kona and you've got a quite a widespread of athletes that you're coaching and on this podcast i want to talk about and kind of get out of you what are some of those things that you've learned over the last seven eight years as an athlete and as a coach that um, that you could pass on to those people that are listening? Because we have a whole bunch of triathletes and endurance athletes that, that listen to this. And I think yep. it'd be great to kind of pick your brain and, and see what some of those things are. So from a, I guess, a coaching perspective, what's where did you, you start with that and where have you sort of got to? How has your philosophy changed over the last couple of years?
0: Uh, good good question. Um, I think like most coaches, they they start out with just a toe in the water. It's, it's a... Um, I find coaching, um, and you know, some coaches have been doing it for 20, 30 years, might cringe, but it's, I still find it quite an immature industry or, or an immature career. I, I still think that it's, it's sort of finding its way, maybe in a different context of uh, the way that we operate as well. But it's very hard to just dive headfirst into and leave whatever it is that you're doing behind. Um, you need, obviously, to be underpinned by, by good qualifications and good mentorship um and uh i think as a coach starting out that's really really critical that that you get good people around you i think that's like anything in life isn't it mate like you and part of one of those people i'll I'll be honest without your head wobbling off i I saw you as um as a real sort of um leading thinker in in the context of swimming which is why i sort of cold called you and, and asked to sort of tag along in a few bits and pieces and pick your brain and um, I, I also uh, was partnered up there with Craig Percival um, uh, and uh, did a lot of stuff with him in, in Melbourne and, um, you know, sadly, we lost Craig tragically and uh, that really changed the whole landscape for me um, in a really heavy, heavy-hearted heavy kind of way. It, it sort of maybe forced my hand to make some, some harder decisions, and uh, but he was he was a great man, and that's the picture. If you have got the video going, I don't know, on live, but uh, he's, he's the one right there behind me. And, um, yeah, so great people, man. I, I, it's like your athletes too, Brenton. You'd be the same. You just learn so much from good people, and hopefully as a coach also, you know, you try and impart some of that knowledge. But certainly for me starting out, if you are thinking about having a go at coaching, um, surround yourself with, with good mentors um, and there's some great coaches out there like really great coaches but they just might not be for you as well it's a bit like you as an athlete as well like there, there would be some great coaches out there who if I put my athlete hat on for a second just wouldn't be right for me and the same goes for mentors in, in business and in coaching you've got to find what sort of works for you as well
1: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, you know, if I had to be a a hard-ass old-school sort of swimming coach, I would. That wouldn't. That's not me. I'm just a little bit more laid back. um, Probably a bit more friendlier than some of the hard-ass coaches. And um, I'm getting, I'm getting better at sort of putting the the foot down when I need to, not in a in a like a controlling way, but just in a way of a lot of people respond well to that sort of coaching where they want to be told, "All right, you've got to go for it now." That sort of thing. And so, just learning to change for the athlete that you're working with, but the overall, uh, I guess, the overall way that I coach is not going to be um, like that. So I think, yeah, you you sort of find your style, you find your groove, and then the people who who are attracted to that um, will come to you, and they'll they'll be the ones that want to want to work with you.
0: Well, you're not for everyone, right? I mean, yeah. you can't you can't be all things to all people, and that's also a thing that you you try and. You try and work out early days when you're when you're thinking, even if you're sort of that part-time, full-time sort of thing, am I going to do this full-time? It's like you try to be everything to everyone because you think you have all the answers and, and frankly, yeah, I can help you with this, that. And then the further you get down the road, you start to work out your strengths as a coach as well and what your weaknesses are and, um, and also the type of athletes that you like working with. You know, um, that's that's the bottom line. That's that. To be perfectly frank, there's certain types of athletes that, as a coach, you like working with, and there's some that you don't, and that's okay. You yeah. know, that's, that's that's. I don't see any problem with that. You'd rather be honest up front. So, uh, I remember um, when I first did my Swimming Australia accreditation. That your old man, I think Brian is he? Is yeah, it Brian. Right. Yeah, yeah. He he spoke, and he would um, he would be genuinely one of the more impressive people I've heard speak about swim coaching his passion his passion was just like you could you could really you could feel it in the room and like you could just I remember seeing you this was at least five or six years ago you were sitting in the front row I remember looking down at you and cause I was in the back of the auditorium going, wow, what a, like for you knowing that you're a swim coach, like what a great mentor, <laughs> you know, I hope I haven't thrown you under the bus there, but I, I, I think that, you know, I certainly just in that one hour in the room with your old man, but you know, what a, what a marvelous mentor. And um, yeah, I'm not sure whether he's still swim coaching, is he? He
1: is. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, I was going to say he's, he's doing less uh, a little bit less, but no, he's still, still coaching. Oh, I don't know how many sessions a week, eight to 10 sessions a week. Um, yep. And yeah, Mum and dad run a learn to swim business, which is quite, quite large. And um, yep. yeah, I was, I was very lucky to, I was coached by him and uh, obviously saw him coaching others. And I think that's where I got, I got a lot of my coaching personality from that and, and the way that I coach. And one of the best things that he, he did, I think when I was, I was probably seven, maybe 18 at the time, he um, sent me over, he said, you should go and see this guy in New Zealand. He's a, um, he's a trainer and he sort of trains people how to train or how to like present and how to coach and uh and this guy was awesome so i went to this two-day course and he was basically how do do you get people involved and and part of the learning process instead of just talking at them and so just with different exercises and different ways to approach it and i learned so much from that course and and dad had been to that twice i think and uh and that made a huge difference and so when we run our camps in thailand and that kind of thing it's um, it's a way to really just get, get people involved and, and working in small groups and it made a, a huge difference to my approach of how people learn because they learn, you, as you know, you learn so much more from actually doing, being involved, talking with others, sharing your experience than sitting down and watching a, like a, a, a presentation, you know, and, no and, and as you said, you, you could feel the passion that he was talking with and it's like, yeah, it's, it's not the words, it's, it's how you say them and, and, and how you convey it. So. Uh, I think that's really important.
0: There's that mentor, man. Like you know, you you you. That's, that's what I was sort of touching on. You get those right people, um, and uh, yeah, it sort of sets you sets you on the path. And then um, there does come a point where you know um, you sort of have to you pull the ripcord and decide: Do I want to? Do I want to make a fist of this? Like, do I want to make a career out of this? And um, you don't really come across many. Coaches that don't like their jobs, um, and not to generalise, but in the in the general sense, maybe if it's lawyers, accountants, bankers, like you're going to come across the odd person that it's just a job or they just they genuinely don't like what they do. But yeah. I was trying to think, coaching is that sort of job where, the, if you don't like it, you're not going to last very long, and that and that is of great benefit to athletes and and, and clients or whatever because you, you're genuinely you're connected to someone that likes what they do. Yeah um and it's because it'd be one of those jobs i'd find it very if you didn't like it then i don't think you'd last long at all i I really don't so um yeah that's certainly i think something pretty unique to the coaching landscape that that the majority of people actually like their job as as horrible as that might sound yeah well it's uh, it's
1: very true i think and uh thinking of the um the way that you like to sort of program with athletes and work with them what's your how do you go about it how often are you talking with people how how do you set the programs looking at their at their events coming up what's the sort of process that you'd go through
0: yeah sure um so every i mean it's very cliche but everyone is truly different um and and the reality is is some athletes require a little more uh communication than others for sure i mean you sort of find that mark there's some blokes that that kind of like mate just tell me what to do and we'll you know chat once a month and that's all good and there's some athletes that that sort of you know two or three times a week you sort of hear from or, or talk to and that's fine and i think that there's also a point as a coach, you've got to be really careful, particularly as an online coach, is that if you if you find that you're having to talk to an athlete every day, I actually put that back on me to say oh, I'm not doing my job to get the message across because genuinely if, if you're needing to speak and get clarification or feedback every single day, not only is that a bit heavy, but I just think that... You're probably just not doing your co- job as a coach to try and get the message through as as to what sort of each week means. We use training peaks um, as our program delivery tool, but really the program is is really just the surface. As as a coach, it's that I think one of the most underrated things is accountability. Um, and some athletes who who are just dialed in don't really require accountability. They want the science side, and you just after a, probably a month or two, you kind of find what works, Brenton for for certain athletes, you know, you got the, you got an athlete who um, has been on the couch and wanting to do their first half marathon in twelve months. The approach with that athlete is very different to someone who might be wanting to qualify for Kona after their fifth Ironman. I mean, there's no, there's no cookie cutter here. We don't use any. Um, one of the things we do here, not to, to plug the business, but certainly my other two coaches as well, are much the same. We don't do any libraries or any any workout templates or anything like that. So there's no kind of drag and drop. It's all literally sounds inefficient, but you get better at it. We we write every session for, for what it for what it is, um, and that seems to work pretty well. We get really good results. We don't sort of, you know, beat our chest about them. But, but certainly if you look sort of pound for pound, our, our team does pretty well. Um, and um, we're across the world. We're over 30 countries now. So hey, really? um, it's Jeez. great great um, diversity in the squad. Um, and that's for two reasons. One, it, it reduces the seasonality of, of, of endurance coaching for sure. So we're literally 54, 46 northern southern hemisphere as, as of the end of last year. And it just really smooths the income because the reality is, Brendan, we're trying to make a living too. And um, I think that any athlete would want their coach not having to worry about whether they can pay the mortgage. It's more about focusing on trying to get the best out of their athletes. So um, we've made a real effort to try and spread that athlete base. And as a coach – it's amazing working with people in, in so many different cultures, you know, whether it's in Japan, you can't swim with toys, whether it's in the middle East, you can't basically swim in a pool for about four months a year. Cause it's like a bath. Yeah. you know, whether it's in, in Europe where, you know, they have ice issues, whether it's in Australia, like, you know, there's all kind <laughs> of different coaching methods as well. So uh, yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun.
1: It's funny you bring that up. I've got, uh, I've got three ladies who I do stroke analysis coaching with online and they're in Japan yep. And, they, yep. and they've recently moved pools so they can start to use a snorkel and fins because their yep. pools don't allow it. It's just like, it's just such a different thing. Yeah. And and I remember um, a friend of mine, she's Japanese. She went back home a couple of years ago. She was swimming in the fast lane in a pool and there was a guy walking in that lane. And he basically, he physically grabbed her and stopped her and told her to stop swimming so fast. So it's <laughs> like, wow, if you tried that in a pool here in Melbourne, like good luck to you. That's just uh... <laughs> the
0: paddles. You'd start doing butterfly with paddles if that yeah, happened. Yeah
1: just the complete opposite. So uh, yeah, you learn a lot from seeing what it's like in, in other countries. And I think we're very lucky here in Australia too, with oh, yeah. the training environment that we've got, particularly the pools. Like there's so many pools around that you're yeah, hard pressed not to find one within 10 well, it's Ks. Part of our,
0: swimming's part of our culture as Australians. And this is one of the thing, like they talk about sort of the barriers to entry of triathlon and, and obviously financials, a big thing, but I, I would say, I've said this many times on other podcasts or whatever that swimming's almost an equal barrier of entry to triathloners financially i think pretty close like it's the it's the one thing that's probably creates the most anxiety or scares the most people off that you've got to get through the swim the yeah. amount of athletes i've got or worked with where they just want to get through the swim and then they can bike run yeah because the reality is you know if you without you know scaring too many people but if you if you stop pedaling on the bike well you just slow down and if you stop running or well, you just stop but if you if you stop swimming you sink yeah, you know yeah. so like it's kind of like that's the reality so it's a big thing you know like getting past that barrier to entry of swimming and that's something that um you know I think triathlon can do a much I don't have the don't have all the answers but I think triathlon needs to always constantly work out um trying to break down those barriers and I, I think swimming's definitely um a big part of that
1: yeah I, I completely agree and we have we have a lot of swimmers who come to our clinics who have they're either wanting to start triathlon and they, they don't know how to swim or they can barely swim, or they've they've done a triathlon, realized they can't, they don't, they just made it through, and they might have had to hold on to the, the kayak of the, the lifesavers there for a, a while. Um, but then and we've had so many swimmers who have then after, all right, they know what they need to do and they've got that the understanding of the fundamentals that will will help them survive and and then eventually enjoy it. And after a couple of months and sometimes it can take six to twelve months. When they start to enjoy it, it makes such a big difference in their their training and their swing and how they approach the swim when they're racing. Because as you said, most people just want to get through it. But if you can enjoy the swim, it's... Um, then and I, I mean, I, I wanna, I'd love to swim all day and uh, not have to do the bike and run if that was triathlon. But uh, it's not the case. But boy, it can make a huge difference. And I think it just takes that level of confidence. And that only comes from experience and having a little bit of education, I think, around it. And then just... Um, yeah, just just putting in the work as well because most people don't want to go to the pool and train.
0: Yeah, it's a funny one. Like you go to that culture thing. Like I've got a I've got a four year old daughter who's in the surf at the moment, doing you know bodyboarding and just crunching through waves. And you think about some people in most parts of the world who might be jumping in a pool for the first time in their thirties. Mm. It's it's a totally different, and that's that's always sometimes a challenge, even for me as a coach is is obviously swimming always came quite naturally to me because I was lucky. I was, you know, part of a squad and swam, you know, just because in Australia, you know, you just kind of swim. And and uh, sometimes you've got to be really careful as a coach to not make it sound like it should be all too easy because the reality is is it's such a technical sport. Um, but also then there's those layers of, of how how – you'd really want to try and simplify it. It's a bit like a golf swing. I yeah. use that analogy a little bit, you know, like you change one thing, it's going to have a, a trickle down effect. And uh, certainly when, uh, you know, obviously we do some camps, but there is a challenge there of distance where I think certainly myself as a coach in the early days, I, I tried to be the pool deck coach by correspondence and it just really wasn't working. I was pretty well overloading my athletes with, with corrections and and Mm. the more and more I pulled back. So if someone sends me a swim video, probably just like you, um, you know, I could give them 10 red lines and 10 things to work on, but I kind of archive that and just give them literally one thing at a time. That's what I found sort of works for one or two things. And then naturally as they correct those one or two things, it may inherently maybe create one other problem or it may fix five or six others as well so i found that as a coach um a really really important step myself so um yeah all most of my athletes are certainly not able to with gopros now and Mm. underwater cameras they're they're sending me videos all the time so um but then it's the doing the doing of it you know it's all very well to have a have a glossy picture but then you've got to go do it
1: yeah that's um and that's what i've really uh come down to as well like when i first started doing the online coaching I, i first wanted is this will actually will this actually work can can i help someone improve their swimming if they're in the us or somewhere else yep. and can i do that by by being remote and the thing the thing i found about it and i spoke to um a guy baden who who uh, runs the Skillistat, which is what we use for analysis yep. and he does that with golf and we kind of came to
0: there's we, golf we, swimming right
1: Yeah. exactly like it's it's so similar and we sort of came to the same conclusion that like what we both found was you can actually improve sometimes even more than face-to-face coaching because if you keep it really simple it's like all right this one or two things this is what you need to do this is what this is the drill that might help and this is what you might expect to experience or or feel and you might need to exaggerate the thing you're trying to change but sometimes that can actually be better for them because they've got the time and the you know, the space to be able to just make that change so and and i think that's probably similar as well with um you know coaching by correspondence is. People can, can kind of think about the the session. They're not feeling pressured with maybe other people around or, or the coach. So uh, it can actually work better in in many instances, which is surprising.
0: Yeah, well, as you would know, like I, I think as a triathlon coach and an endurance coach, you, you do have to wear a few hats as too, Brenton. So like we have to understand, not to downplay, obviously just focusing on one sport, but you have to kind of know a fair bit about the three disciplines. Mm. So what I also did is, you know, I've had quite a few athletes that, Consult with you, mate. You know, that I kind of, there is, there is a, I have a lower expert ceiling than you do because you think and breathe it every single day swimming so if i kind of get to a point where i'm i'm struggling to get through or potentially need a different voice you obviously help quite a few of my athletes as well so again if you are a coach don't be afraid to say that you don't actually have all the answers it's a it's a hard thing to say because you think that the athlete may think less of you but i would only stress that nine times out of ten and i would i would actually hope ten the athlete should appreciate that and then you know, in the end, it's it's for their benefit. So um, mm. you know, um, certainly, um, there has to be a lot of a lot of trust there. But um, yeah, man, lots of lots of lessons you sort of got to learn the hard way and fall on your face from time to time. But that's that's life, right?
1: Yeah, I say it all the time. I cringe looking at the stuff that I used to teach yeah. and coach ten years ago when I was yep. when I first started. But that's. That's a good thing. It means that you've actually changed uh, what you've done and you've learned something. So, it's, and it's probably good not to look look back at that too much. Even some of the videos I used to do, um, even just on on YouTube from that long ago, it's just whoa, I, I can't look back at them. It's, it's painful. <laughs> um, I don't
0: look, I don't know about you, but like for me, like I always find that very, very common. The thing is, is that it, it usually starts with breathing in, in swimming. Because yeah. that's where the kind of because people. Who are uncomfortable in the water or a swimming environment? They're just they're trying to find a way to get oxygen mm. because when they've got their face down, there's there's no O2 down there that they can appropriately filter. So it's like they're just always just trying to find O2 in whatever way that seems to work and it's kind of an, almost yeah. a survival mode. And so that for me as a coach is like my first go-to is is like, okay, how are these people trying to get air? It's mm-hmm. trying to simplify it, right? So how? So that's kind of that's where I'll start with, particularly with with regions that aren't, you know, have a strong cultural swimming background, be it Asia or India or the Middle East. That that's that that you know they're just not as adverse to swimming all the time. And typically, I see that it's the breathing. That, that lies at the heart. You know, obviously the legs sinking, those sorts of things, but at the end of the day, you've got to breathe before you can kick your legs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so get, get that right first, like get the breathing bit right first, and then that often will settle them into an environment that they are probably never fully comfortable in, mate. Like probably never, it's not a natural, but certainly enough to get through a 1.9 or a 3.8K open water swim. It's tough though. It's hard. I, like, yeah. I, I don't get it because I'm a swimmer, but I get it. I get the scary bit. I, I get it. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, nobody wants to die, <laughs> you know? No,
1: and I was sort of, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, if I, if I wasn't a swimmer and I was out in the surf, if I, if I was surfing in a reasonable size swell, how comfortable would I actually be out there if I was a not a, not a handy swimmer, if I was a fairly weak swimmer? And I was thinking, that'd be really scary if I, you know, felt like I was, you know, I might struggle to make 200 meters swimming, you know, if you lost your surfboard and you're out there. And I thought, okay, I can kind of, I can relate to that a bit because yeah, imagine what it would be like if you're brand new to the sport, you're in a big pool, it might be deep. Um, that That's very, you know, that's going to create some anxiety.
0: 100%. 100%. So I think that that's, um, you know, if there's anything that I can kind of, you know, is certainly that breathing aspect and, um, you know, and there's all sorts of fixes for all different, issues and then with the drills but uh that's you know always sort of comes through for me as the sort of the primary thing when people are starting is is getting that breathing right um and all the things associated with it
1: and uh with the with some athletes that you've coached let's say ones that you've coached for a a longer period of time and the ones that have uh improved their swimming what are some of those factors that you see making a, a difference and um maybe some uh examples of of athletes don't need to give names or anything but what's what are some of those things that you see making a difference?
0: Well, I, um, for the guys that I've coached for a long period of time, typically oh, I'd like to think they've improved. So they are they get to a level where they're not so sort of relatively competitive, but they're comfortable in the environment in which that they race or, or belong in. So let's say triathlon. Um, I one of a bit of a breakthrough thing. So to sort of park technique, but just sit in the helicopter of just swimming in general is that you know swimming. Swimming is often approached in the wrong way, I think, for triathletes as that sometimes it can just be seen as a recovery session to the bike and the run, Mm. and and they just don't bring the intensity required to to make improvements. So you think about bike or run, there's got to be some intensity there to get faster or to get stronger. You've got to put in efforts, but people – aren't often willing to do the hard 100s and 200s in, in the pool. And this is past the point of, of can I swim or not? This is just genuinely hard work. Um, and so what a lot of athletes make the mistake or, or they tend to do is they just increase volume. So like, you know, I've got a – I'm doing busso, I've got a long swim coming up, I'll just chuck the paddles on for 2Ks, you know, that'll make me stronger. I'd much rather you go and do 10 100s, to be frank, and half the distance but increase the intensity. Because the reality is, Brenton, also when they're trying to balance swim, bike, run, they can't swim 20Ks a week typically, right? So we're doing maybe three, maybe four swims for some of the guys going to Kona certainly, but three swims a week, three to four Ks. You and I both know that those high, high level swimmers are swimming 50, 60 Ks, right? So we're trying to get kind of marginal improvement out of in reality in the pool in terms of time commitment, not all that much. If you, if you have got a, a, a pie, a pie chart or a wedge, swimming gets the smallest portion, right? Yeah. So I think you've got to try and inject some intensity in there. And that's really hard to do initially because typically that the notion is, Oh, I'll just chuck the pool boy in or, you know, I'll just kind of go through the motions. Mm. And when they, get to understand or they get on the clock, get on the clock, like start to use the clock at the pool, this thing that has a time thing on it that (laughs) rotates around 60, not just the Garmin. You know, you just stop, start your gun, like get on the clock. That's also a big thing that I find gets people to break through because you don't win – it's such a cliche, you're not winning a triathlon with a swim – but goddamn, like you can set up such a great race, which having with with having a good swim, or if you have a bad swim and you're trying to do something in terms of qualifying or just you know move up the order in your age group, you're just chasing tail all day. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, it's it's a tricky one. So I think intensity is a big thing. I think that that uh, is something that often is just kind of left on the on the side.
1: Yeah, and I think along with that. And it kind of plays into it. It's just that that change of pace and you know, most, and, and I get it too. I mean, I'm looking at the running that I've done over the last two months, and I've started to run a You've bit more. you been running, Being, well, yeah. I've sort of tapered off now. I had a great percentage. It it's on Strava. I had a 70k week, but now I'm back down to Shabra about 10 counts. to 15k. Yeah, that's right. But I've, I've it's kind of waned off now, and I'm probably doing like 15k a week. So, but um, back into it. But the like the the pace has just been pretty consistent. Like I haven't I haven't done any hardly any efforts. Um, it kind of like I'm going to the pool and just swimming. But when I look back at the training I was doing for, for Ironman, I had a lot of um, varied pace and um, you know, it might be 1K on, 1K off. But And my speed was so much better when I'm looking at the times that I was doing in, in races. Um, and so I can see how it's easy to just slip into sitting at one speed. But if you can just throw in some, some efforts or variable pace work, you, you just get so much better at actually racing.
0: 100%. Because races have a great a very high level of variable pace don't they mm. you know um, from the start to the to the finish of whatever distance the start is usually like well and truly over threshold you know and even trying to swim to get around people or, or swim to have people go past you or people swimming over the top of you there's just it's not like following a black line in the open water so you know you've got to get used to that variance in heart rate or whatever mechanism that you're using but also you know if you are on limited time Um, I I genuinely think that you've just got to bring bring the heat, as they say, in in the pool and knowing what that sort of feels like, like, you know, for even myself who, you know, I've got you know, not, not a bad swimmer in the context of triathlon, like when I'm, you know, at the end of a hard 200 or 10 by 200, like I'm, I'm over the lane ropes. Like I'm in, I'm in, not in pain, but I'm certainly looking for oxygen. And, uh, I very rarely see that at the pool. If I think about people sort of touching the wall and coming up to have a drink, they don't, I always kind of look and I go, I did not working hard enough. And you, you know, I just stay to stay in my own little bubble. But, um, some people might look at me and go, Jesus, that bloke's nuts. But that's kind of what's required. I think not all the time, obviously you don't have to do it every swim set the coach will guide you but if it says hard or if it says sprint that's that's what it's there to be there to be done but you mm. you've got to be underpinned by by pretty good technique to be able to do it too.
1: I think it becomes quite um it's quite a fun and quite an addictive thing to to do like I when I'm leading up to summer I like i normally do pier to pub which is a 1200 meter race and hopefully yep. some other events around that but there's usually, you know, I'll do some sets that might be some 400s or 200s looking to hit that same sort of pace that I want to do in, in the race. And it's yep. like, I look forward to that session every every time I do it. It might be one or two sessions a week, but it's like, yeah, I want to I want to get in there and have a go and see if I can go a little bit quicker this week and, and see that progression over the course of eight to 12 weeks. And, yep. uh, and look, when you're not fit and you're not feeling good, it's a grind. Uh, so you normally have to sit, um, I mean, I normally have to sit couple seconds slower than where i i would ideally like to be but when that's the case you just suck it up and go okay today's not my day but i've still got to put in the the effort but i know the times won't be there
0: i always find uh even if you've got a big pedigree in swimming it it even shows like you take two weeks off swimming oh like If you're out of the pool for an extended period. I, I, I really think that percentage wise it feels the sting. It comes back relatively quick. But you know, if you take a couple of weeks off the bike or maybe even running, um, you can kind of claw it back. I found with swimming though, like it is like it's the audit of <laughs> kind of where you're, you're at. Or it's fine with swimming, like it'll tell you tell you where you're at. So uh, yeah, it's a funny one, but um, yeah, mate, absolutely love it. Like, you know, you've gotta to, gotta to enjoy getting in the water and it's a um, yeah, it's a, a good environment to be.
1: I just love that uh, there's always something to, to work on. So in the um, in no- yeah. start of November, I, had, I did a 12-200 set and just that's, it was the quickest I'd ever done in training. And, yep. um, and then the next, well, I think it was like the next day, I came off the mountain bike and I couldn't move my arm above there for four weeks. So Um-huh. I, just, I, nearly, I just, my, just stuffed up my AC joint. And so I'm about 98% of the way there. Do you know the
0: issue? Do you know the issue? You're on a mountain bike.
1: Yeah, I know. I was, Yeah, and it's gotten two rides since and they've been pretty tame. So, um, yeah, yeah, I must have preferred that. Beach Road
0: doesn't count. It's not a mountain
1: bike. No, it's... Down to
0: the cafe and you get your soy latte.
1: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's all I think all all, all I'm going to do now is uh, not going downhill (laughs) at all. I was well beyond my my ability. But uh, it's taken me... What is it now? It's nearly 4 November, December okay so it's three and a half months and i'm i'm about back to where i was uh then and obviously that's the sort of injury but i was out for a few weeks and it just takes a while to get back but the good thing about it is i've been able to work on my stroke while i couldn't swim fast and while i couldn't swim hard and um and i feel like this sort of change in stroke that i've been able to work on will actually help me to go quicker again in probably the next four to four to six weeks time so it's you know there's always something to improve even even at a, a higher level and it's it's a great thing that i love about the sport
0: i think um i'll do if i was listening if i was listening to this right now i'd have one thing what's he swim for, for 12 by two hundreds? can you say your <laughs> times
1: uh it's, you it's, it's yeah it's short course so it doesn't it doesn't count a long course would <laughs> be different but uh, uh what's it your 200 time was it was 10 to no, sorry 12 how many was it 10 12 was it tw- no sorry i i lied it was 10, 10 twos on yep. um on 230 coming in on 220 oh yeah um, that's in,
0: solid mate
1: that was short course though so long course probably had 5 seconds in overall i think but um yeah that yep. that bloody killed me but um, see
0: that's um that's really interesting not to like not to turning into a a a contest but so when i'm coming right into my peak swimming into say an ironman i'll do 10 twos um, and I'll try and touch under 2:30 and leave on the 2:45. That's about for me. So if I get to that, it's funny just a yardstick. If I can once yeah. I can do that for say a month, I know that I'm ready to swim an Ironman in around kind of under 55. And that's typically I was trying really hard for a long period of time as an athlete to try and get my Ironman to swim under 50 minutes. And I at the end of the day I was putting way too many eggs in that basket and just. I should be just happy with the 53, 54, but trying to put more time towards my bike. Yeah. And that changed the game for me, Brenton, in terms of just in a half context. Um, that was a real game changer. So I think even when I was asking you a few things, I was trying to get my time under 50. And uh, I kind of just, I gave up on that. It was just taking way too much time. I probably would have got there, but my bike was just suffering too much. <laughs> and so I just am now content been a 54 and, and riding a lot better so and that's um yeah that's uh definitely changed racing tracing for me for sure but uh yeah no it's interesting 10 10 30 i mean 230 220 holy moly but yeah that's flying
1: well I, I i say that and then i speak to someone like dan smith who's oh, stop. Uh, yeah and i off oh, man some of the sets that he was doing like he's doing 400 no 300s coming in on like Oh, what yeah. was it he was descending it was like 256 254 250 or something this is short course yeah. again but it's yeah. like oh my god all right that's a whole nother level
0: yeah well, it is. well then, beyond <laughs> triathletes will say well then you got to go run a 250 marathon though try to do that yeah you know yeah, exactly. so that's like that's the battle though like where do you shift so if you've got eight hours to train a week where do you put so as a coach or as an athlete Where do you allocate the time? And so if you've got eight hours, 10, 12, 15, whatever it may be, you kind of – and then you've got strength as well. You are really just project managing people's time a lot of the the time. And like a swim, you know, like a 60-minute swim set is actually a couple of hours by the time you get to the pool, get out of the pool, do all those things. It's two hours, whereas like say an indoor trainer on the bike, two hours – a one-hour trainer set's about a one-fifteen time commitment. Mm. So that that's genuinely like you know you're trying to crunch people's schedules so much these days as well. So that's also I think where swimming suffers is that unless you've got a fifty-meter lap pool in your house, which not we don't all do like you do in your mansion, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know like it's um it's a uh it's tricky tricky to do.
1: Yeah, oh, it's um and I, I mean I look back at when I was doing triathlon, and next time I I do a half Ironman or full distance Ironman, so much more time needs to go into the bike. I was doing 250, 300 Ks a week. It needs to be a lot more than than that uh, to actually do well because I look at that bike was just a huge chunk of my race and I put too much time into the into the swim. That was it.
0: Rewind two minutes, mate. That's exactly like what I kind of discovered and um, mm. yeah, real breakthrough. So uh, if you're looking for a coach, hit me up.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, uh, and so, in terms of uh, getting in touch with you, what's and you run a podcast as well, which we haven't um, talked about. So, do you want to uh, maybe talk about where people can find you and, and your podcast and uh, get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so um, so our coaching business is called Koa Sports. Uh, so we're an online coaching business with, um, like I said, athletes around the world. So they can just go to koasports.com.au. We do do a podcast, which you'll be coming on in May um, when I drag you up here as well. Those so are fancy uh, call-
1: there in person. So. Uh- this oh is yeah, a,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've got a we've got a bit of a studio, so uh, but we do a lot of esports stuff as well, um, in, in the Zwift world. So we we do a lot of stuff. Uh, but I've uh, got two other full time coaches, Kent Cross and Greg McDermott. Um, so we're all full time. That's a that's a really big thing, big thing for me. That um. There's plenty of coaching businesses with a lot more coaches and a lot more athletes, um, but I, I really believe – I kind of project myself as an athlete sometimes. I'd want my coach to be full-time, to be frank. Um, I want them to be thinking not so much about me but about the 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 career or the discipline or the industry of coaching and all the different ways and the changes and the innovation and the different tools, and that's really hard, I think, if you're – an accountant Monday to Friday and you, you know, you're writing programs on a Friday night after a big week, that's really difficult to do. Um, and so that's, you know, creating, you've got three full-time coaches here. That's pretty unique. Um, because, you know, like I said, coaching is still quite an immature thing. So very, very lucky. Um, but yeah, hit us up on the website, uh, my own t- Twitter, i got a blog and all sorts of stuff. So maybe you'll chuck it in the notes, but, um, yeah, always looking for new talent and, um, we've got about half a dozen or eight going to kona next year already so um yeah, it should be pretty pretty soon taupo 70.3 local 70.3 world chance, which is going to be massive mm. uh and we're up in asia all the time uh racing and and doing some stuff up there as well so yeah love it mate uh, just full all in just absolutely love it
1: very busy that's uh yeah that's great and it uh sounds like it's it's really growing especially with athletes in uh in thirty countries as well, so it's um it's huge, and I'll uh, put all those links in the in the show notes, and uh, it, you'll be able yeah people listening will be able to find everything there. So, mate, thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, looking forward to being on yours in a couple
0: months' time. No worries, mate. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.